This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello then, welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and joined by Lee Ryder and Mark Douglas and it's been another brilliant weekend for Newcastle United, a 1-0 win against Swansea and we'll start with Lee who of course was down there in Wales there was no wrap-up in the air so first of all, what was that like? Yeah, we got the news that it definitely wasn't coming on our journey down there which is, it's an unbelievable journey I've done it a few times to be honest but it's, it just seemed longer than ever on this occasion but to get that sort of break and use element to it when you're already on the way to an away game is it makes the job quite interesting and uh, as soon as we got to the hotel we were filing that stuff across uh, as far as the match day was concerned it was quickly apparent that it was a, all hands on deck with uh, Mikel Antio in the dugout with the earpiece on uh, Antonio Gomez in the stand and he was obviously getting messages from Rafa back at home in the Wirral but whatever the whatever the system was they used, it worked because they got a great result and six points, which took them in the top ten of the table, which uh, was fantastic and ended the weekend on a on a massive high. And Mark, I suppose one thing that, that is apparent is just how good the team that Benitez has around him, you know, the coach and staff, and how much he relies on them. It's a real team effort. Mm. Yeah, I think they're um, they're intelligent guys. You know, it, it's I think before Benitez came in, it was. Uh, quite a small backroom staff of people who, um, you know, have kind of uh, not necessarily, you know, they weren't necess- they weren't ne- it wasn't necessarily the same sort of makeup as as Rafa's got. He's got this kind of team of guys, and they you know, Paco Moreno hasn't played front, hasn't played professional football before. He's actually his background's kind of in um, physical education. He's he's played at a level, but he isn't. He's not quite played. You know, up to, up to uh, you know, up to professional levels. So it's quite interesting. They've all come from different backgrounds. They're all quite intel- They're all really intelligent guys. All got good, good English. Paco did the press conference because his English is the best. Um, but Mikel Antiers obviously uh, played under Rafa and was a coach and, and came through. So they, you know, I think it's safe to say that they know what the manager would have wanted. They're all kind of on the same wavelength. But it was a, it was definitely a Rafa Benitez performance and a Rafa Benitez. Kind of, you know, all the all the things that everybody did. It was like, you know, they'd been drilled into them for time and time again. You could see the influence of Rafa, even though he wasn't there. And obviously, the the, the, the staff out of Sweden from coming back too early was the reports on Saturday and Sunday. And I suppose that kind of reaffirms his commitment to Newcastle United that he was not very well at all, and he still wanted to to be there, try to drive up earlier in the week, and you know, his family and Paco said that we had to say, you know, look, your health is more important. Yeah, that's right. I think from Rafa's point of view, I think it was his family, you know, persuaded him that it wasn't the right move at that time to come back too early. 
but thankfully now he's on the mend looking forward you know he's going to be on the training pitch again this week they've got a big game against Stoke and I think really if they can get three points in that game they'll climb obviously further up the table and from what was looking like a little bit of a crisis at Newcastle as so often happens it's now looking pretty positive at the minute no one's getting carried away but every three points they tick off they're getting closer to to what they need and if they can get to the right side of 20 points around the sort of Christmas period then things will be looking very good indeed and Jabal Asal's obviously scored on Sunday made an excellent block as well but he said before and he spoke to Benitez and he was the man who was going to get the message through the players I mean, how important is it to have a captain who let's not forget is still a very young man you mm-hmm. know how important is it to have a captain like that yeah I think when Rafa took over he wanted somebody who was going to come forward and not be afraid to to be critical of his teammates and you know stand up to some of them maybe the senior players for, for too long at Newcastle it had basically been a case of the, the senior players rule roost and you know you can't question what's going on there was a players committee that's not really there now you've got a captain and a manager and while people players can be pretty vocal in the dressing room Lascelles has you know got a lot of authority in there and I think that shows that you know the players respond to what he says and the last two games I think Lascelles and Kieran Clark in the heart of defence have been absolutely fantastic. Mark, do you think it was important for the players to get that message from Benitez, you know, pre-game to, to to hear his instructions and to, you know, just to get his, his point across? I think he does most of his work. Um, you know, he does most of his work in the summer. It's kind of like, you know, I think they they're pretty well drilled in terms of they know what they're doing. You know, he wants players who who kind of have discipline, know what they're doing. So I don't think it mattered too much. But obviously he felt it did. I mean he wouldn't want it to be, he wouldn't have wanted to be away from uh from, from the kind of operation because he's that's the kind of person he is. He's kind of quite obsessive. Um, you know, he, he it's almost as soon as the season finishes he's working on what happens next. So it would have absolutely killed him to be um to not be there. But you know, that's that's the kind of mark of a good man, because I remember at the start of his reign, Newcastle, you know, he was almost walking the team through it. I think Lee said it to me when we sat we sat next to each other in the press box and Lee was kind of pointed out that he was he was almost like every individual player he was telling them exactly where they needed to be exactly what they needed to be and it was like we weren't used to seeing that on the sidelines because you had Alan Pardew sometimes would sit on the, the dugout and McLaren towards the end looked a forlorn figure was actually up in the stands so that was what Rafa was having to do at the start of it and it says quite a lot for the way that maybe the culture's changed at Newcastle but by the end of Sat by the end of it now on Sunday they didn't they didn't necessarily need that because they kind of knew what they were meant to be doing there was so much I mean there was so much to kind of um, to, to sort of say about Sunday's performance in terms of just the players taking some responsibility for their own for their own results which hasn't always been the case at Newcastle so um, you know that's a positive that's that I think that's a real positive and you know like we, I think we, we're trying to make this the the theme of this one a bit of a positive podcast because I know we've you know, we haven't always had the chance to be positive, but that's a, a real positive for Newcastle. You know, it's early days this season and things can go wrong, but I remember Newcastle United teams going to Swansea and McLa- in the early days of McLaren, shipped three goals and it could have been more. Um, you know, Newcastle had a habit of going away to some of these away games in the Premier League and sh- shipping a couple of early, easy goals and letting the game run away from them. Um they didn't play well against Huddersfield, but they looked as if they'd addressed some of those problems on Sunday. So um, no wonder everybody's feeling a lot more positive than they did um, two, three weeks ago. 
I mean, a lot of people were fearing this game, you know, obviously, especially the transfer, they've got Boney in, they've got Sanchez in, you know, the pundits about the field, Danny Castle are going to feel the wrath of a Swansea side on the York. Mm-hmm. In reality, they were, well, they weren't very good at all, and Newcastle, were, were, would you say comfortable, Lee, or is that another statement, maybe? Yeah, well, I, th- I think the first half was pretty much Swansea putting a lot of pressure on, having a lot of the ball, but they couldn't create anything in the final third. Newcastle did sort of survive a couple of half chances, and then once it got the half time, I thought, well, you know, it's it's still up for grabs, and then. Once we got past the hour mark, I started to get a little feeling that they could win this, and uh, that's exactly what happened. So, yeah, I think it's probably going back to what you said originally in the question. Though I think it could well be billed as one of the most important wins of the season because, as you say, there was a big backdrop of doom and gloom going into the game. Had the lost, you know, Rafa not being there, the recruitment would have been questioned yet again. What happened on deadline day would have been dredged up. And which you have to do really in some ways, and this this result just could have turned the tide a little bit, and hopefully, you know, can be the turning point uh, of, of the season or already. Or, and for Rafa, he'll be delighted to be back at work now and, and building up to that Stoke game because if they win that, then the confidence will be absolutely flying. That's with the arrival of Sanchez to Swans. You know, everyone was talking about it. Great player, you know, great potential. By Munich star, blah blah blah. As you have it. No one's really put that pressure on Mourinho. Do you think that's had a bit of a, a difference? You know, does that does that affect the player? Do you think, Mark, when you have got all these pundits in, our, you know, he's going to be a world beater one day? Um, I think that the Sanchez thing was was always. I mean, he's a big name, isn't he? You know, any team, uh, any team in the kind of lower half of the Premier League, you bring in a player from Bayern Munich. It, it's it's a pretty big dealer. I think that Swansea probably disrupted a winning formula to to put him in. Um, and he didn't look fit to me. He didn't look. He looked as a bit of a fish out of water. Really, he didn't look. Didn't look like he'd. He really knew what he was doing, which which is unsurprising, really, because he'd, he'd been away on international duty with Portugal. He'd only had a few days for Swansea. Paul Clements, a smart guy, though, he must have thought that he could um, inject something into it. I think on the point of Marino, I think he just looks like a. Um, he just looks like he's straight at home. It's a little bit of Johan Cabayan in for me. I, I think. You know, this it's not necessarily they're not really the same player, but they've they've both got this kind of vision, they've both got this passing thing, and and, and they've also both got this kind of like streak of that kind of ruthless streak as well. Because let's not forget, I mean, I'm not condoning what he did on Saturday in terms of on Sunday, sorry, in terms of the dive, but um, you know, there's definitely a bit of devilment about him. I think he knows what he's doing. Um, and he's a good you know, he looks like a really good player. If Newcastle if Newcastle can um, play him and he keeps playing the way that he is and, and, and they've got this system that seems to work around him then he could be one of the buys that Newcastle United have had for, for 10, 10, 15 years even through all the days of Graham Carr who I thought you know at the start of it was bringing in some really really good players Marino could top the lot he could be if he keeps going on at this record three games three starts they haven't played he hasn't played against any of the really big teams yet so very, very early days. You shouldn't get too carried away by him, but he's clearly got talent, hasn't he? And what's refreshing, he's a very creative talent. Uh, according to Squawker.com, he's made uh, 108 passes in those three games, 72% uh, average pass accuracy, with 99% of those passes that he's made are forward passes. I mean, when everyone talks about George Shelby as the creative link, it is refreshing this season to have someone on his level, if maybe not better. Okay, yeah, first few games, but so you can see where we're coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, to to say 
Shelby, you're not a first team pick anymore, Lee. It's amazing, really, when you think about it, that the guy who had a great preseason in Shelby, you know, within half a game ends up getting sent off, and now he's down the pecking order, playing in the reserves, which I watched the other night, and he did have a positive game um, in most aspects. He wasn't very positive after the game when we asked him for an interview, and he just turned it down. But that, that's another story. Uh, I think. Is he going to get in ahead of Marino? Probably not. And then you've got Isaac Hayden. Is he going to get in ahead of him? Well, it'll be harsh on Hayden as well because he's been pretty steady. For me, Shelby probably has to start on the bench against Stoke. Mm. I think that's fair. And he's going to have to roll his sleeves up and, and win his place back because the, the midfield two seems settled at the minute. Why would why would you want to change mm. that? Mm. Do you think it could work with both Shelby and Marino as a central pair? Because they're both kind of similar players. both like to pass the ball forward. Whereas Hayden's more dirty work defensive man and allows Marino to kind of go forward and create the chances. Do you think it would work, Shelby Marino in the middle? Well, it's a bit of a Lampard Gerard yeah. thing, isn't it, really? Uh, maybe Rafa wants balance in, in his team. I think Hayden's a really steady player. He doesn't so much excite me as, as a midfielder would, but when you look at Shelby and Marino you know, together, I would like eventually to see. The, at least the experiment of that and see where we'll go from there but when Shelby's on top of his game you've got him in there every every time but unfortunately he's not and he's, his head goes sometimes he disappears from games and there's a lot there's a lot to work with for, for Rafa with uh, John Joe I think at the minute yeah. but I mean on options again defence wise with uh, Lejeune coming back you know uh, Yedlin's working back at full fitness Pernitas is quite a it's quite an option institution, hasn't he, Mark? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's, it's the irony, isn't it, when we said he'd been left short from the transfer window, we didn't mean necessarily in bodies, we just meant in terms of, you know, in certain areas and in certain bits of quality. I mean, you know, Marino and Shelby, I can't see it because, I mean, Rafford has his, uh, Rafford, nothing, nothing's a secret, there's no secret to what Rafford does. If you actually um, read his quotes, Listen to his press conferences. He will he signposts every single thing that he does. He, there's no there's no sort of we've seen previous managers who wouldn't you know, Steve McLaren wouldn't even tell us why um, they changed they started kicking the wrong the, a different in a, a different direction from kickoff when they win kickoff they would um, you know they were they were they weren't uh, they weren't going the same way every time he had, he had some sort of I don't really know why but he, he obviously thought that worked mentally but and he wouldn't tell us why when we asked the question he. He, um, he he put it on. Rafford will tell you exactly what he's doing. He, t- he will explain his thinking, um, and I don't think Marino and Shelby for him will, would have enough uh, would have enough balance. As Lee said earlier, I think defensively, um, Clark and the cells at the moment are the two men in um, men in charge of the jersey. Lejeune, well, I mean he's going to be there, isn't he? Uh, you could potentially put Clark out to left back, but um, which was which which is an option, but um, he's playing so well in the centre, in the centre of defence. I just don't think you could do that. So it'll just be the set. I would be very surprised if um, the, the spine of the team's not very similar. I, I don't think Jacob Murphy will necessarily start. Um, Hammers, I think probably will start because he played quite well on on um, on, Saturday, on Sunday, even though uh, Chris Woff didn't think so. Um, I know. I, I think. I think. Rafa is very much a you know the kind of guy who would say, look, if you're in, if you're in good form, we keep you in there, and uh, and and that that's all good, you know. I mean, there is the, that's the thing with Newcastle. If, if the teams, if they're all playing, and and Rafa gets them playing 
the way that they're playing at the moment, then um, there's not too much to worry about. The worry is that there's not necessarily that that level of quality. Look, they've only beaten. Um, and it sounds a bit negative in a positive podcast, uh, mm-hmm. but they've only beaten uh, West Ham, who don't great, and Swansea. You know, they've still got a lot of the really big teams to play, um, and that's when they'll maybe need that extra bit of quality. Even playing like they did on Saturday might not be enough against the Manchester United's Manchester Cities of this world. But you know, hey, like Lee said earlier, you know. They've got nine. If they if they get nine points from the first five games, you would say, "Wow, that's everything that we imagined," and maybe a little bit more. Yeah, and obviously that's the the first double since December two thousand fifteen when Stephen Clarence's side won against Liverpool and Spurs, uh, and obviously the win on Saturday. It's uh, the first treble since Pardew's win of games in that November month when he won uh, manager of the month and then. Didn't win again. Well, won twice before leaving Crystal Palace. But I mean, it shows just how much of a torrid run Newcastle really had in the in the Premier League. They've got to go that far back for for a treble. Then. Yeah, I think, well, in some ways you you're kind of not surprised, are you? Because 2015 stayed up stayed up by the skin of the teeth, beating West Ham on the last day, and then 2016 relegated with a game to go. It's been miserable times for Newcastle in the Premier League in in recent years. Bit of a pick me up in the Championship uh, under Rafa last year, but this year can they make things more comfortable for the fan base? And you know, finishing mid table this would be fantastic, really. But for all that, I think that just shows you how the expectations have dropped dramatically when we'd be happy to finish 10th, 11th, 12th compared to years gone by when, you know, top six was the aim. Things things have changed in football. Things have certainly changed at Newcastle United that the expectation level is, you almost feel grateful not to be involved in a relegation battle. And that, that does kind of annoy me in some ways because they've allowed themselves to do that. They haven't, you know, put the money in when they should have. There's talk of the club going for sale, but the price that Mike Ashley would want for the club is too high. Is it four hundred fifty million? Yeah. yeah. Um, I know we're trying to have a positive podcast <laughs> here, but yeah, expectations have dropped. So Rafferty has got to work with within a very limited amount of money, um, limited resources. So therefore, tenth would be an absolutely brilliant finish for the season. Definitely, and what we'll get on to with the two talking points really the the Swansea game now. First of all, the uh, Matt Ritchie high foot incident obviously comes off the back of Marnie. His reaction said it all. He 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 was a bit worried when the referee blew his whistle. I think they. He was a bit worried, and I think uh, I mean I watched the Man City game on on Saturday morning as well, and yeah, the both the both incidents where they could have been red cards at the end of the day, but. I think what people forget is it's all right sitting watching on the couch, and you know if you're not, we've all, none of us in this room played the Premier League, but we've all played football before. And there's loads of people listening who play football. And when you're stuck in that heat of the moment, you're going to get incidents like that where you, even though you've got no chance of winning the ball, you'll mm. you'll do something absolutely off the cuff and mm. try and try and get it, and you'll end up getting sent off. That's Amat Richie plays it all, doesn't he? Yeah, he plays, he plays a little bit on the edge. Yeah, so. So should he have been sent off? Well, yeah, by the letter of the law, he probably should, shouldn't he? But at the end of the day, the referee's got it. I think he was very clever. Mm. The slow motion when he's basically talking to the referee and 
wagging his finger and all that kind of stuff and talking the referee out of it almost. I think that was very good games. Suppose the reaction of the, the player, the Swansea player helped as well. You know, he didn't go yeah. down. He kind of stood up and was just like, well, there's a, there's a good um, feeling around Swansea City Football Club. That example of Mawson um, during the incident and then Paul Clement afterwards when he could have made a huge deal of that mm. in the press conference deflected all the you know attention away from his team losing to that and he just refused to do it he said no no big deal he said you're only asking me that it wasn't me who asked the question by the way he said you're only asking me that because of what happened yesterday and trying to get a trying to get a line out of it so I thought it was just a really good honest club and that I walked away with a good feel it's a great feeling to get three points but I walked away with a good feeling that they were very you know gallant losers as well well, is it a case that, I mean, the, the difference between the Richie and the Mornay incident is that Mornay, you know, made contact with, with uh, Edison's Edison's face and if, if Richie done the same to the Swansea defender, then, you know, we would have been talking a red card? Uh, probably, yeah. I mean, I think that, I think what frustrates me a little bit, and I, I mentioned it in the previous podcast, is that, you know, the agenda is set by what, um, you know, what Sky... And what a few broadcasters think everybody's going to be talking about. You know, they know that that Mane thing, there's a lot of Liverpool fans around. It feeds into a sense of injustice, maybe a little bit from Liverpool fans. I, you know, I get, I mean, this is a sound dismissive, but I, I don't, you know, I, by the time we spend so much time discussing refereeing decisions, and I just don't care. But honestly, like, I, I just get to the point, and it's not like a, you know, it's not a, I understand why people kind of like, you know, think about it, but I, I just, God, like we spend so much time talking about like offsides and things like that, and I just get to the point at the end of the, at the sometimes by the end of the weekend when when you're into Monday, and um, you know the back page was uh, of quite a few papers was, oh Marnay's was Richie's wasn't. Oh, who cares? You know, I think Sky had a uh, you could ring in involved. Oh, it was just you thought. One was, or the both were. Oh, one wasn't, and one was. I just thought that was. Did they have to? They oh. have Dermot Gallagher doing a ref watch piece on Monday yeah. about the ref. I just thought, oh god, you know. And, and the thing is, and as a lot of Newcastle fans pointed out, there was a high boot in the Huddersfield game, Newcastle game. There wasn't. There wasn't decided to be to be high. Look, Marnay's was, but if the game that game wasn't on TV and it hadn't been a Sky game, they wouldn't have gone on about it all the time. The fact is, look. High boot by the letter of the law is a red card. Referees are always going to make mistakes. We've seen at Newcastle they made a lot of mistakes last season, and it did end up being a, um, a you know a topic of conversation at, at Newcastle because there was I mean by the end you had a penalty basically where the referee didn't even know the rules right and there was you know they rescinded three red cards so it became a talking point. So you know I'm aware of the fact that a lot, obviously referee decisions do become but it seems like every weekend there's something that happens to Liverpool, Manchester United. Arsenal or Manchester City that we then have to talk about. Uh. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. 
Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, for like four days afterwards and it just becomes like... It's like the steward thing with Aguero the week before. Like... You know, I just can't get excited about those kind of things. And it's not like, you know, I understand it. It's, it's, probably, it's probably just me, you know. I'm probably just being a cranky about, about it. But I just, like, refereeing decisions. It's like, hey, look, when they're getting them wrong all the time, fair enough. But, um, you know, there's not a lot that, that, that go wrong. Newcastle have had a few this, this year that are uh, controversial. For the most part, I think the refs have probably gotten right. Shelby was a red card. Mitrovic, yeah, red card. Marino had been uh, won the penalty, he would have got banned. And I know a lot of Newcastle fans were saying, "Oh no, that will be the first ones to get." Yeah, well, Marino probably would have deserved it because that was the rule. And if you didn't know the rule, we should have known it. But um, you know, the Mane thing, blimey, God, how much did we talk about it? It was on the back pages. Sky's kind of coverage is, you know, I know we talk about it quite a lot, but blimey, they do make a lot of these things sometimes. You just had a feeling, didn't you, that? Twenty-four hours after that morning, oh, it's like you knew was, you knew Newcastle were going to somehow yeah. just be involved in, in, in prolonging this. <laughs> and it worked. Yeah, and, uh, it, anything someone else can do, Newcastle can do. Yeah, it does feel like you know Newcastle have kind of come back into the Premier League and they've uh, had two players suspended. Richie involved in that. Um, a manager who's kind of like you know on the verge of walking out um, and criticizing the owner. The owner giving an interview. It's just like man, you're welcome back to the madhouse. I mean, you know, I know it's, I hate that kind of cliche of, you know, Newcastle United kind of, but, you know, God, it's not been a quiet reintroduction to life in the top flight, has it? And Newcastle, it's been... It's uh, never, never quiet at Newcastle. Yeah. So, obviously, so Newcastle won, very positive weekend, and you know, a lot of fans saying, well, people are saying club in crisis, I saw, I, I think, unfair kind of criticism labelled at us, kind of, but I think it's important to justify or kind of separate... You, you, there was rightful criticism at the end of the transfer window for what happened and it wasn't necessarily saying that Benitez's tactics weren't going to work or anything like that but it was criticism aimed at Mike Ashley for not backing Rafa and there are two separate kind of incidents there or not incidents um, subjects aren't there? Mm. what happens on the pitch what happens in the transfer window or do you think you know the, the win kind of uh, what's that with the background now the transfer window Mark? One uh, well, personally I mean, I'm sure Leo Leo you know answer as well but like you know it, it's 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 nonsense to say that the issues that we talked about and that we've talked about all summer have gone away because they won two games you know that's absolutely not the case whatsoever and I don't think I don't think it was ever the case that anybody here was saying that Newcastle were, were doomed to relegation if they went down the fact is that Newcastle have still taken a lot of gambles it's two wins out of four um and they have a long winter to come. You know, they have games in December in particular that that you know are going to be are going to be tough. It's very early in the season to be talking about. Oh, this shows that this squad is Premier League quality. They've got to play Stoke on Saturday, which I think will be a really really difficult game um, because Stoke look like you know they're much better than they were last year and even the year before. Um, the point is that you know again a lot of the reporting over the summer has been about how Rafa feels. Now, Rafa, like Lee said earlier, 
um, hoped for more than just let's get to 40 points as quickly as we can, even though most clubs in the Premier League want to do that. And that is the basis of what, what we're talking about. You know, the questions for the hierarchy, the questions for the way that the club operate haven't gone anywhere. Um, but it was always a case that we were going to talk about football as soon as that, as soon as that came back. Now, the, you know, the, the direction and the narrative changes every week in the Premier League. That's, that's the case. You know, Newcastle win again on Saturday. We talk positively. If they lose the next two games, it becomes a different picture entirely. And, you know, so right to be positive, definitely right to be positive. But I'm not apologetic in any way about the way that the media as a whole have covered Newcastle United, possibly the pundits and the way that they start to talk at the start of the season about it wasn't a crisis club. I don't think anybody in the club within the squad was thinking we're doomed or we're, we're gone after two games. Um, so I, I, you know, but we never said that. You know, I, the, the Chronicle were always have always been really supportive of Rafa Benitez. Have always been really supportive of this group of players who are providing exactly what we have always said. Leeds written loads of columns. I've, I've I've read them about. Look, come give your all. Show what you can do, you know, have a bit of quality, but look, if you give everything, you won't find many Newcastle fans um, on your back. And that's what they're doing at the moment. So that's why they that's why they're getting praised. But you know, I, I, I don't think Mike Ashley deserves any praise for for the last two wins. I supposedly, you know, last two wins, two decent enough performances. Mm-hmm. In a way it's quite frustrating because imagine just adding in two or three real quality players into the squad he's got. You know, and the picture changes, and we, we could be talking even more positively. Yeah, you you put even twenty five million on top of what we've already got, then mm. there could be some some real cause for for optimism. I think. Well, yeah, when you look back at the the, the window, it it wasn't good. They they end up having that to bring in low budget signings. There's no doubt about that. I think Rafa went into the window thinking he was going to get one thing. He came out of it knowing that he hadn't been given what seemed to be on offer at the start of that. Only Mike Ashley and Lee Charnley can probably give you the the full answers to that. So, you know, in a market where people have been buying 30 million, 25 million, you know, 12 million players, Newcastle buying the likes of Joss Lou for like 4.8 million, you know, it's just low budget, you know, it's it's shopping in the, the lower end of the market so the good news is is that Rafa Benitez can not only bring in players of, of lower quality and get more out of them but he's going to have a plan in, in games especially the, the bigger away games I, I should I think you know back to when was it 6-1 against Man City yeah. with McLaren when there was no game plan it was it was just let's try and like G everybody up and hope hope for the best He'll have a bit of more, better plans for these big away games, and you know, give teams a, a run for the money at St James's Park as well. So, you've got to be, you've got to be positive. But as I said a few times, Newcastle's marquee sign of the summer was holding on to Rafa Benitez, and we're very grateful for that. And I mean, Jocelyn, very positive. He's, he's looked like a, yeah. a, a, maybe a, a very good. Well, yeah, he's looked like a very good buy. Goodbye, the summer league. Yes, I mean, so far so good. I, I don't don't know if he's going to get twenty two plus goals in the Premier League. I don't know about that, but I think he certainly can do a job. He's did well on Sunday. He, you know, he held the ball up well, had some had some chances. You know, made the goalkeeper make 
a great save at one point and you know goes in against his old club at the weekend I'm sure he'll be fired up for that but you know if, if they can get the service to him then I think you know he's got a chance of uh, winning some points for Newcastle United and that's the most important thing Fantastic and obviously today you wrote the, the news that uh, the club agreed a bonus for, for the FA Cup is it and I mean how do you think that's going to affect the players? I think the, the FA Cup thing's just a little bit crazy to be honest but uh, the the fact the fact that they've agreed it I mean that they were going to have to agree it by the end of September anyway so it would have been sorted eventually but the fact they've got it done you know nice and early and the fact you know they're going to a game now they've got nothing, no excuses now they're, they're, no, they're going to be motivated by staying up they've got a chance to make even more money out of it I know the players probably want to win as much for the fans as well, but they now know they can earn a serious amount of bonus if they can finish higher up the table, which is something they haven't really... There was like top 10 was the last mm. two Premier League seasons and they didn't, never really had a chance of finishing top 10. They've got a good motivation to, to finish high, the table, high up the table this time around. And I read that you know it was Joe Malasales had a conversation with Mike Ash. I think a lot of people would be interested... To hear that, to read that, I mean, again, it shows another good side to LaSalle. So again, it's only what, 22, 23. I mean, that's quite a responsibility to to go and speak to Mike Ashley and, and put the players' point across. Yeah, I think maybe, who knows if Rafa's had some kind of influence in that as well. Maybe, you know, encouraging Jamal to do it <clears throat> so that the, the owner hears a different voice and it's not just Rafa and the people close to him talking to the owner. It's, it's actually coming direct from the dressing room with that. You know, we'll probably give him Rafa a bit of credit there, but yeah, I think you know Mike Ashley needs to know how people are feeling in, in the area, and certainly in the dressing room, and that's exactly what's happened on this occasion. So it's positive for now until Saturday, <laughs> till three o'clock. And I mean, obviously, we don't know what was what was said between the two, but Mark, you know, we've seen ourselves in interviews before, at least to the media. He's not exactly a man to hold back on his words, and. You would like to think that he's probably gone in and maybe said to my Ashley, this is this is this is what's happening, this is how everyone's feeling. Uh yeah, I mean, you know, the the owner I mean he, he quite likes bonuses, doesn't he? I think he's always done he's always gone down that route at Sports Direct. He likes the idea of um performance related pay. Uh so I'm assuming that that's probably motivated him. He's quite happy to talk about that, isn't he? I think um talk of kind of an FA Cup bonus is a little bit you know, um, he could offer them two hundred million for winning the FA Cup. I mean, they're not going to probably win the FA Cup this year, are they? Let's be perf- perfectly honest. You know, the, the squad's not big enough. Uh, the competition's too hard, probably, for them to win it. You know, that's not that's not being negative. It's how many teams out of the top six have won the FA Cup in the last twenty years? Not many. So really, I think you know, if if, if he's prepared to put say twenty million pounds, which is the kind of uh, the, the reported amount. For them winning the FA Cup, I'd have rather have seen that twenty million pound go into a uh, kind of transfer fund and you know bring a player in and and but I mean you know fair, fair play I suppose in some ways that it's it's at least been sorted. It wasn't sorted for a long time and it festered a lot in the final year that. Um, you can sometimes get a good run as well, you know, on that vehicle. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. when they got the the final in when was it ninety. 90. Not well, they got the final in 98 and 99, but I think they got Everton in the third round. Then Stevenage, who was scraped, yeah, yeah, scraped through yeah. against Tranmere, 
Barnsley, Sheffield United in yeah. the semi-final and got to the final. So got beat in the final, of course. But you can sometimes get a, a decent cup draw yeah. all the way through. And uh, that's true. Actually, in West Ham, didn't Palace get there too uh, with Pardew a few years ago? And they didn't really play anybody until the semi-finals. Even then, in the semi-finals, they got they ended with was Reading. Or so. I can't remember. I, I think they but they didn't have much for it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you, you know, you, you can do that. The things with Newcastle, you just like to think they were in a decent position come January to actually have a go at the FA Cup. Um, never mind winning it, you know. But it, at least it's a good, at least it's a good thing in a way that that the club are acknowledging that the FA Cup's there. You know, like, as, as I said, it, it's all very well being really cynical about it, isn't it? But let's be positive about it. Again, the theme of the podcast. Let's be positive about it and say, look, you know, like if the FA Cup's going to be important to them this season, which hopefully it is. Um, that's a, that can only be a good thing. Shouldn't be a bad money though, as well, in terms of a bonus, because you know you look at the. I don't know how many I wasn't around, but the team in the fifties, they weren't playing for money. Whether Jackie Milburn was playing to win the FA Cup for pride and bring it back to the city and all that sort of stuff. So you'd like to think that they'd want to win the FA Cup yeah. anyway. But then, does this generation of players care about the FA Cup? I don't, do, I don't know. Do you remember uh, Alan Pardew's uh, press conference where he talked about the FA Cup and he said, um, he said I want. His line was, and he always knew, he always thought about what the next morning's newspaper headlines were going to be. And his line was, I, 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 want, um, I want to become, I want to win something because I know I'll get the freedom of the city. Oh. And I, I've heard that that means that I'll, I, take, I take part ownership of the cows on the town mall. <laughs> he was like, I, I want some of those cows. I want some of those cows. And he was sort of like, I knew who he was getting at. But, um, but he's got a point, you know, in some ways, I suppose, that the... Um, the uh, whoever wins something for Newcastle United, if it's Rafa Benitez, whoever it had been, if it was Steve McLaren, if it was, you know, it would it would be like a big part of the club's history. And they so, have to buy another pint again. Uh, off. I, so. I mean, like Rafa does anyway, but Rafa doesn't drink, so uh, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that would be an issue. But no, they would get whoever it was. We get a statue built of them, really. And to be fair. Uh, I couldn't think of a, a better guy to have a statue built of than Rafa Benitez yeah. next to Bobby Robson up in St James's Park. Be a perfect, uh, yeah. perfect thing. But you know we're getting carried away. We are really are being positive here. <laughs> I like it. It's getting better and better. We're going to Stoke. We'll do our little Stoke preview now. So we'll start with positive. You know, defensive options for Rafa to choose from. Again in the midfield. You know, Shelby fit. You know, playing well. Getting up front. Jocelyn looking well. Dwight Gale back to back to full health after his little bit of training wars a couple of weeks ago. I mean, Rafa, he's got some decisions to make this Saturday. Like, yeah, you look at the, the unused substitutes on Sunday. It was, you know, Yedlin, Lejeune, Shelby, you know, Gale only just got on the pitch for the last few minutes. He's, he's got options, and I think that's exactly what he wanted. So, you know, you, you try guessing the Rafa Benitez team, you can throw... He can make you think one thing, and he'll love it because he'll know that Mark Hughes, as we speak, will be thinking, mm, "How are they going to play here?" And I think it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. But whatever he picks, the player who gets a shirt knows they're going to have to be, you know, putting in one hundred and ten percent if they want to keep it, and that that could be big motivation for three points on, on Saturday. And Mark, do you see any, any changes being made or do you think Benitez will stick with it with the team he started with on Sunday? Um, yeah, like I said earlier, I think I, I maybe think Murphy might not have quite done enough at Sue was obviously on the bench, wasn't he? 
Because he came back quite late from. Atu was terrible when he came. He was, wasn't he? Yeah, get, he lost, God, lost the ball. He nearly put two, him under right pressure at the end. Two, two, two times in the space of about two minutes, didn't he? On the counter, and he yeah. lost it. But you know, he's, he's done well from the start of the season. A lot of people weren't too sure about him, especially Stu Jameson. Yeah. We'll keep uh, mentioning that if he continues to have a good Newcastle career. But Rafa won't forget nice. that, though. Rafa won't forget that. Yeah. It, 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 you know, you could have thrown away. 90 minutes of really hard work with space of two. two bad mistakes. Chancellor Member didn't play for about five months because of a mistake where Rafa was like, Look, I told you not to do that. So you only get few, you only get limited chances and then you're out of the team with, with Rafa. What about Orlando Owens then? Do you think he's in with, with a chance? Uh, well, Lisa played for the under 23s. Oh, came off at half time, not no injury, did okay. It wasn't the best I've seen him play. I've seen a lot of them in the last few years come through the reserves. Nothing to write home about, I'm afraid, from Monday night. But I think what I'm thinking as well, physicality in Stoke City, are you, you going to play the more nimble players in this game or are you going to go in there and know that you're in for a real tough one? I mean, probably won't be very popular, but could someone like more of the army return to the start line mm-hmm. in this game? Physical battle, tough game. Rafael want to try and match them, at least for the first... 45 to, to an hour and then maybe try and pick them off then I don't know so it's, it's going to be an intriguing team sheet come 2pm on Saturday yes, well they had a, quite a good result against Manchester United on over the weekend Saturday I think it was and obviously their new striker we're going to have fun with this name because no matter how I pronounce it I'm going to get it wrong but I'm going to give it a good Maxim Chapu Martin got two it's probably right he looked, uh, he looked quite decent mobile good in the air um, he looked quite a handful. I mean, the defence are going to have to definitely try and contain him on Saturday. Yeah, I think Stoke are one of the teams who, um, at the start of the window, you know, we kind of talked a little bit in previous podcasts about people making, you know, winning the window, uh, if you will. You know, t- everybody was saying how fantastic Bournemouth's business was and Everton's, you know, well, Bournemouth haven't, haven't uh, got a point yet. Uh, Everton, not looking that fluid at the moment whereas Newcastle kind of obviously bought in five or six players Stoke one of the teams that people were saying you know oh, well, I, I could see them struggling because and didn't do much in the early stage of the window but they ended it quite well I think Zuma's a good you know good pick up um, there he got him alone Chupin your mate um, I, I don't know too much about him his goal score record wasn't brilliant in Germany but he looks really good on Saturday and some players come in and, and really do the business. They obviously brought him in for Anotovic who's um, started that well at West Ham. Uh, Jess Hesse as well, good player, really, really good player. They, I think they're a decent team, aren't they? They're a, they're a really strong sort of side. Um, they've got a bit of confidence confidence behind them. They're, you know, Hughes' teams generally at Newcastle have kind of done okay. He's, he's, uh, you know, he's a smart enough coach. It's a game that Newcastle can win, but if they get anything out of it, it's 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 good, you know. They'll have done well. Newcastle, you you, you take seven points from the first five, um, but you know, Rafa will be hoping to get to get three because Newcastle are in a good moment, as they say, in their Spain. Definitely, enough to be nice to see. Was that not Alan Pardew who said that? Yeah, no, no, it's the the uh, all the foreign players always say, "Oh, we're in a good, we're in a good moment, in uh-huh. a good moment." I'm on my own there. <laughs> 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 I don't know about that. A tumbleweed blown through the office there. Um, 
obviously it'd be nice to see Rafa back on the touchline as well Lee. Yeah. You know, I'll give an extra bit of a buzz to, to a knee out sold out St James Park already and what we're still what, three days away yeah it's I mean you'd say it's incredible but it's it's the norm in Newcastle to, to sell out every game and you know I think if they can get the I mean the atmosphere was good in the last home game against West Ham continue that and you know Stoke City will hopefully be shaking in the boots come kick off time and they can get the three points and you know to have nine points on the board at, at that stage will be uh, you know fantastic for the fans you, you wouldn't get too carried away but there's some tough games coming up after this and further down the line and you want to get as many points in the bag I mean December looks pretty daunting three away games in London yeah. and the likes of Man City at home so yeah you want to let's get these points in the bag nice and early and not have a, a nail biting finish to the season you know if we, if we can be nice and safe by the end of February I'll be very happy well, just on <laughs> um, just on Saturday someone's asking it's Richard McIntosh is asking whether Shelby might start in the number ten role on Saturday late. I mean, would you would you see that? I can't fancy Rafa changing it too much. Like that. That's a big change. I, that would be a big, big call. As I say, you've got to remember the physicality thing. I mean, no Shelby can look after himself, but does Rafa in that situation trust someone more like Modi Army? I know that wouldn't be a popular choice. I, I know what people say about Modi Army. You know, they they they're critical. They don't think he's a, a good player, basically. But Rafa obviously wants him in and around the squad, and he'll use his physicality as in, you know, when he sees fit. Grand and Mark will go with predictions now to wrap it up. So, Saturday uh, prediction wise, good question. Uh, I would think probably let's go for one nil. Newcastle Ryan and Lee I'm hoping for a bit more of an exciting game <laughs> uh, I think Newcastle can win and I think they've got a bit more in the locker I, I think it can be maybe 3-1 God, let's hope so that would certainly get the uh, get the city even on more of a buzz well that's it um, for today thank you very much for joining us if you head over to chroniclelive.co.uk we'll bring you all the latest Newcastle United news and obviously be covering the game live through our live blog on Saturday with a 3pm kickoff. Thank you very much. This is Acast Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favourite shows and this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.